This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome to the Agenda. I'm Dan Morgan, this is Joel Rubinovitz, we are from Liverpool.com. We are going to talk about Michael Owen and Alan Shearer, who have just engulfed in a Twitter war, Joel, over the past 10 or 15 minutes or so this morning. Michael Owen's got a new book coming out, which is an autobiography. Um, he's been very effusive in stating that he's waited a long time to have his say because there's a lot of things he's remained unsaid or kept unsaid um, and kept under his... Under his... I was going to say bonnet. That doesn't work, <laughs> does it? Under yeah. his hat. Under his hat. Under his hat works. We'll go with under his hat. Um, firstly, Joel... I mean, I just want to gather your thoughts on Owen because he's very divisive yeah. as a figure. Uh, obviously, with Liverpool fans, there's the Newcastle move and then further to that, there's the Man United move before both of them, there's Real Madrid. So, you know, he's he's not thought of well by some sections of the Liverpool supporter base, but what's your view on him? I've got quite a different view, I think, to most Liverpool fans. I think um, I have, to be fair. Yeah, we were saying off camera just before we started, like the first Liverpool shirt I ever got, or the first football shirt I ever got was that black and grey Reebok one from around 2002-03 with Owen 10 on the back. Um, and that was kind of around the time of the 2002 World Cup. Michael Owen had won the Ballon d'Or previous year to this day, or might change this year, obviously, with Van Dijk, but he is the only Liverpool player who's ever won that award. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kind of really the whole reason I first got into football, um, started watching football because of his performances. I had DVDs of the goals he'd scored. Steven Gerrard was coming through at the same time, but really Owen was kind of the big star. Um, so it is strange for me now because I'm I'm very aware of kind of the public opinion of Owen. Um, for me, he's got quite a kind of, He's special uh, because he's he was kind of my childhood hero. Um, and I think there's like a generation of fans are probably kind of three, four years younger than me even who kind of missed Owen at his peak because by the time he left, mm. I was devastated when he left to Real Madrid. Um, but he, he, he pretty much already peaked by that point, um, even though he kind of did well in patches in Spain and never really went as, as well as it should have done given his talent. But there's a generation of fans now who kind of see Owen in the light of this player who left Liverpool and later joined Man United and he was a flop really after kind of he came back to England and they see him as this boring pundit with his boring voice and kind of outdated views and he's not a very well-liked person. I think you can see that. You look at the replies under his Twitter feed. Um, but they, they kind of missed just how good a player he was and I think that kind of gets overlooked quite a lot in the kind of discourse around him now. I think that needs stating first and foremost just how good he was. Mm. He was a phenomenal finisher, Michael Owen, and I think there's a real dichotomy between when Liverpool go through the 90s and they have Robbie Fowler, who is probably the most natural goal scorer I've ever seen. He then gets followed, Robbie, who has his own injury problems, by Michael Owen, who, in terms of a goal scorer, is equally as impressive, but they were completely different. You know, Robbie could... The the most acute of angles find a way to put a ball in a corner of net, a square of net. Michael could do the same, but he was very, very... He was very, very different in that, you know, you think of Owen, you think of the dink over the goalkeeper. You you just think of him one-on-one, and it was a a complete formality when Owen got in front of goal. Fowler could, could score the more complicated goals, if you like, the more complicated finishes, or he could get himself in positions where he would just have an open goal. I think Michael 
very much manoeuvred himself to, if you look from an XG point of view now that people talk about, you know, uh, I'd imagine Michael Owen pre-2004, his XG would have been through the roof. Like, Mm. I think he would have been scoring high on both expected goals and goals. You know, he was was such a good player in that sense. And I agree with you. I think that once he did leave Liverpool, it became very clear that he'd made the wrong decision. You know, Liverpool go on to win the Champions League the season after he leaves. And I remember being at a game when he comes back. We play Newcastle, I think it's on Boxing Day in um, in 2005. And he comes to Anfield with Newcastle and he gets absolute dog's abuse for the game to the point where I was slightly uncomfortable with it, I've got mm. to be honest. I didn't think it was necessary, I didn't think it was called for. There was no reason for Liverpool to take that stance with Owen when we were the European champions and he was playing for Newcastle. And I think a lot of his career might come out in this book. You know, it, it might be that if you ask him, he does regret a lot of it. But he can't change that now, as no one can with those situations. So I think it's I think it's better from my point of view to look back at the the player who scored goals for Liverpool and scored many of them. That's very much where I'm at. I think there's some interesting parallels, I think, with kind of Fernando Torres in that situation, because obviously there's a very sour feeling there when he first left to Chelsea. Um, and again, he'd kind of reached his peak at Liverpool just at the point he left and never really kind of reached those heights again. And I think over time with Torres, Liverpool fans have generally softened towards him and kind of the mm. good memories have been what, what we now kind of look back on. Yeah. Um, Owen's different, I think, mainly because of the United thing. And I think as fans, we can be very tribal and and kind of hold that against the player. And I, I can understand why people have that view of him um, but for me, the, the thing is, by that point, Owen was what in his late twenties, early thirties. He'd had several serious injuries by that point. He was more or less finished as a player. Um, and I think, as you said, it will become clearer in this book. But he's kind of alluded to it before. But essentially, as soon as he left, um, even when he arrived in Spain, he knew that he kind of he'd made the wrong choice, and he, he pretty much throughout the rest of his career tried to get his way back to Liverpool, and Liverpool for some reason or another, never quite wanted to make the deal happen or the money wasn't right or the timing wasn't right. And from Owen's perspective, it seems like he always wanted to end back up there. But I think it's difficult for us as fans to put ourselves in the shoes of a footballer who has got a very limited kind of career span and even more limited with Owen and the injuries that, that he had. And He's got a Premier League winner's medal. Exactly. And he, he kind of arrived at a point where he had a choice of either kind of hanging his boots up or taking a move which he knew would turn a lot of fans against him and that still is the case today. Personally, it uh, doesn't bother me that much at all. I'm kind of, will always look back on Owen for the player he was at Liverpool in kind of the early 2000s and before we went to Real Madrid. Um, so I can see why there's that bitterness, but for me, he was well past his best at that point and he did what he did for a personal reason to kind of prolong his career at the top. Do you think he would have worked at Liverpool if he had stayed? I think you look at 2005, Liverpool's striking options are Gibril Cissé, who couldn't keep himself on side. Uh, Milan Boros, who was Endeavour, but not much else. And I'm, I'm not disparaging these players. They went on to win the European Cup. Fernando Morientes signed in January, but he's very much a spent force himself. Mm. I think there's a couple of interesting parallels. I think that season, 04 05, could have went anywhere if Owen would have stayed. You know, I think that he might well have found himself out of favour with Benitez. He might. F- might well have found himself having to convince Benitez. He might have well found himself injured again. Um, and you don't know where that would have affected the, the European Cup run. However, I think, you know, 
05 in that summer, we sign a lot more physical type of players. We, you know, we get Crouching, we get Sissoko, Pepe Reina, and then we go on to sign the likes of Bellamy and stuff like that. So where he would have fitted, I'm not entirely sure. I think maybe Benitez might have got a couple of seasons out of him. And then his, you know, his injury troubles might have, might have told, or you know, his pace would have gone completely. I'm just not sure where he would have fitted. It's really hard to tell. I would like to think that he could have carried on for at least mm. two or three seasons and, and been the player that he was. Um, I think the, the thing is with Owen, so much of it comes down to those injuries that he started picking up. It was around sort of 2006. Um, yeah. He got the metatarsal one. And he had the one which I remember watching live at the time against Sweden in the World Cup when he just it looked like an innocuous thing at the time, but he kind of rolled off the pitch in agony, like holding his knee. And, and from that point, he completely lost his pace and his acceleration, which is what made him such an explosive player. Um, so it's hard to kind of tell whether that would have happened if he stayed at Liverpool. Um, I think the thing is, there's a perception that he was a complete flop when he went to Spain and it just didn't work out. But we, we were looking at his numbers before we came in here. I think he only ended up with 13 goals for Real Madrid, but he started less than half their games. And I think I saw his La Liga goals per minute ratio was the best of any player in the league. Yeah. Um, so it's not like he fell off a cliff immediately after leaving Liverpool. So as I said, I remember when I saw it on the news and he'd finally left um, in 2004, I think it was, um, being absolutely gutted with it. And I don't see any reason why, and if injuries didn't kick in, that he couldn't have given us another two or three years of, of really good football. Just want to get your thoughts on the spat itself because I think it's hilarious. I mean, yeah. I'm just waiting for Gary Lineker and Alan Smith to wade in as boring England centre forwards who are having a fight on Twitter. I'm not. I've got to be. I've got to be honest. I'm not entirely comfortable with someone like Alan Shearer playing the work of man on the street and quoting 120 grand a week when he's earned a quite, quite rich, you know, mm. fortune himself from the game. So him taking on that mantle, I'm not entirely comfortable with. I've got to be honest. But Shearer basically replied to a video of a short clip of Owens uh, when he was saying that he couldn't wait to retire in the last six or seven years of his, his career, citing injuries, basically that he was in agony every time he was on the pitch. She had replies with, yeah, we thought that while you were taking 120k a week at Newcastle, to which Michael's had a little pop back saying that he was um, desperate, apparently, to move to Liverpool when he was dropped by Bobby Robson, which I've got to be honest, Joel, for a good... 10 seconds or so sent my head west the thought of Alan Sheeran the Liverpool share because <laughs> there were times growing up when I'd have absolutely loved nothing more yeah that's news to me I had no idea and I also didn't know that they had such a kind of animosity between the two of them uh, until I'd seen this but yeah I'm I'm kind of glad um, Owen's come back with that because I think as as fans and as as Shearer has alluded to there in his, in his tweet we, we can assume that players are just they're almost not human beings. They're paid all this money and that they should just enjoy and love playing football because they're so privileged and it's it's what all of us wanted to do when we were kids. But for someone like Owen, who, who whose body kind of essentially gave up on him and he, he had to play through so much pain and through so many injuries and kind of saw his ability reduced as a result of that, you can imagine why it would have been so agonising to carry on like he did, knowing he didn't have many years left, but wanting to kind of carry on and not knowing whether he should stop or not. And, there's plenty of other examples of players like this. Daniel Agger's one who, mm. since his retirement, has come out and said he has spent, essentially spent the last few years of his, his time at Liverpool and Bromby playing of injections in his back because he just couldn't, he could barely stand up after playing. So there's a lot that we don't know there. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see what Owen says in his book about that. But 
yeah, I, I agree with you that it's feels a little bit uncomfortable to sort of be taking jives at someone like that because ultimately once Owen signed his contract at Newcastle, it, it's not his fault that he's getting paid that much money and it's not his fault that he's getting injured. So what's he supposed to do? Like Exactly, yeah. Okay, then that's been another agenda. Thank you very much for joining us. We are from Liverpool.com, as I've mentioned. Be sure to check out our website. We've got tons of writing on Liverpool Football Club on a broad scale of topics. Um, we're covering everything, opinion-based, fact-based, news-based, everything you want. Get over to Liverpool.com. For all your Liverpool news, I've been Dan Morgan. This is Joe Rabinowitz. We'll return next time with a, a fight between Phil Neville and Lee Dixon. Who knows? See you later. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.